The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Sitting across from me, I have Greg Smith. Greg, how are you? I am very well, extremely busy, uh, but well. Yeah, I'm sure you're busy. You had like, <laughs> what, five Thomas Fedoni stories on HailVarsity.com Wednesday after the commitment? Uh, something like that. You, you, gotta, you gotta be ready for the big ones, you know? And that was a, that was a big one. That was a very big one. Let's talk about him in a second. Um, yep. First of all, I would like to ask you, do you think we're going to see anything in college football this season like what we saw with the NBA over the last two days? We're recording this on a, a Thursday morning or a Thursday afternoon, I guess. Um, and game fives throughout all of the NBA got boycotted or the players went on strike or the league tried to say that they were sus- suspended or postponed or whatever yeah, the, um, the, the wording was. But <clears throat> now they're back. And they're happening. Do you think we're going to see anything like that in college football this season? No, I think that we'll have um, we'll have players maybe make some statements, um, and we'll have guys that maybe like try and put messages on wristbands or stuff like that, or or maybe um, say something in, in post game, maybe. Um, but I don't think that we'll see wholesale like teams or position groups or anything like that sitting out. And primarily, there's no. Uh, knock on the players it's primarily just because the power dynamic i think is so different in college sports where right or it's wrong shifting. It's, it's shifting, shifting it is shifting and it's shifting rapidly the big yeah <laughs> like i guess that is you know as with that as a backdrop here in lincoln um it is shifting rapidly i would be really surprised if we saw something like that i i, I think that it's unlikely uh that we see anything like that just because of how it just feels a little different um in college sports because of how much it took to get them to play how everyone's not playing um it just feels a little different i, I would be surprised if we saw that so nobody from, like, you don't think we're going to see Trevor Lawrence saying, yeah, we're, we're not going to do this? No. 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 I, 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 man, I would be stunned. What would it ha- would be something, what would it, though. What would the <laughs> internal dynamics of that locker room be like if Trevor Lawrence and the players decided that they were going to sit for social justice reasons with their head coach being Dabo Sweeney? Oh, that would be, I would instantly want a camera on Davo Sweeney, who like famously said that he would quit and go to the NFL if the players ever got paid. So we know kind of how he rolls. So I is would he going to quit confused. if they pass NIL legislation? I'm I am waiting to see. Like, I really want to see, like, and I want someone to ask him about that. We don't cover them, so I can't ask him. But I, I, somebody needs to ask him about that if, in fact, we get to that point. Because technically, that would be them getting paid. Technically, and it wasn't like I don't think I think he was pretty broad or general when he's yeah when he initially said that yeah i mean but according to him them the players getting paid would probably mean that they couldn't have you know water slides in the football facility (laughs) so that he'd be upset 
they don't care. About, this is the thing. It is, is so the, ridiculous. This is the thing that I can't square. They, they, they don't care about that stuff. The players don't. Yeah. But the reason every school has them is because supposedly the players care. I always wonder, like, I would really like to know, and I guess I would be the person to ask because I talked to so many recruits that, like, on the list of things that you see on these visits and the different amenities, like, which of them actually matter and which don't? Right. So like whether we're to like the sleep pods that I now I forget which school that's at um, or the water slide LSU. There you go at LSU or like the really nice weight rooms, like which one of those things like, you know what I mean? Which one of those things actually has more of an impact? And then conversely, talk to some of the players. I'm giving away too many ideas here, but some of the players and say what which of those things now that you're here, do you now use? Like, I feel like that would be really interesting to find weight out. weight room would be at the top of the list. Locker room would be at the top of the list, though not sleep pods. I think sleep pods are dumb. I would I would, not, I would you don't think want, the LSU players are using that. You don't think Jamar Chase is, is no, using the it, sleep pods? are they using – they're not using, like, like cotton material or, like, they're not – they don't have, like, sheets. It's not, like, an actual bed. Like, to me, it, it the, the thing that I'm picturing in my head is, like, a foam-padded mattress – that, Which, that thing better be if nice. It's, if, like, it's you know covered, it's expensive. if it's not covered with fabric, then I feel like it would be smelly if you laid on it while you were sweaty. Yeah, and it right would after retain practice. that smell. Because I'm thinking about like, do you know what kind of? I, I can't. It's like foam that's wrapped in like this kind of like plastic. I'm. I don't know why I'm blanking on trying to describe yeah. this, but no it, idea. I think it would be sweaty and gross and disgusting. But didn't they also invest in like air filtration systems in that locker room to make it so that it didn't retain? I I I thought I read that somewhere. I mean, if you put 150 sweaty college kids in a room together, like no matter the tech that's in that room, it's not (laughs) going to smell great. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. So, yeah, I would put like locker rooms without sleep pods at the top. Like, do you have the space? There we go. I'll say that. Do you have space in your locker room and you don't have to split up your team into it? Yeah, that would help. Or like, you know, even like Nebraska has uh, the iPads in their locker room, like where it shows all sorts of information and stuff. Like how much of that gets used? Like I would just be really curious. I'm assuming that actually gets used. I think that they have a way to use that for like game prep and going over plays and stuff like that at halftime. Like I think that ends up being a part of that, but it it also like shows kids highlights when they're walking through for visits. They have iPads in the weight room too, don't they? Yeah, so where like they put it's like a biometric thing, you put yeah. your thumb on it and it yeah. tells you what you should be lifting and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> they do. Which that's really neat. I like, wonder that's extremely interesting. This would be interesting. I wonder how much money has been invested in just iPads inside Memorial Stadium. <laughs> probably probably quite a, lot. a bit. Yeah. Probably a lot. I would assume so. That would be interesting. Um we're we're here to talk about Thomas Fedoni, like I said off the jump. Um if you like this podcast even if you don't, please go wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the podcast. Just give us the number. Even if you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. Just give us the number. Um, I will be uh, sketchy that way. It's fine. Leave us a, a rating or a review. Um, that really helps right now. And uh, subscribe to the two, and I almost did it again, VJ Moore, to Jay Moore's More To It podcast. It's really good. It comes out every Monday. Subscribe to it. Leave that a rating and a review. And read HaleVarsity.com because even though football is not happening, Nebraska continues to love being at the center of attention, love being at the center of, of the college football bubble. Nebraska 
doesn't slow down ever. So with that being said, Greg, let's talk about Thomas Fedoni. How big of a commitment for Nebraska was this? Just, just like take a step back from the recruiting battle with, um, with Iowa, with LSU. Take a step back and think about this kid. You said it in the mailbag this week. He should get elevated to five-star status, assuming things kind of continue on the yeah. trajectory that he's been playing. He should get elevated to five-star status. That'd be the first five-star that Frost would have gotten a commitment from mm-hmm. during his tenure here at Nebraska. Um, is this a program-defining win on the recruiting trail? Is this a program tone setting win on the recruiting trail or is this something that like this is the kind of win Nebraska should be making like what are your overall like overarching thoughts of this commitment that we got this week it's a program legitimizing win for Scott Frost I would say that man if they were where they wanted to be like ahead of schedule it would be kind of that where they should be um, but they're not quite there yet uh, they're not that close to that um, so it's a program legitimizing win because it's when you get a kid like Thomas Fedoni and like how good he is where he's rated where he lives is also important in this case um, it's just a big deal there's just no way to really minimize how big of a deal it was for Nebraska to land that kid in then the position that he plays because it's it's a position in which they're trying to get better at that they believe can be an X factor in what truly could make their offense um, completely difficult to stop um, like you saw that UCF offense when they had Jordan Aikens. So it, it can't be underscored how big of a deal it is um, for any number of reasons, but I think that it, it's a huge deal in how much time they put in. It's another, um, it's validation in their evaluation skills because as I continue to want to remind people, and I will continue doing it, Nebraska was on Thomas Fedoni before he was Thomas Fedoni, the national recruit. They've been on him for what two years or so now and he's been coming to Nebraska for unofficial visits for a couple of years now basically as long as Frost has been here Um, so it's another feather in their cap to say hey we can evaluate guys and build those relationships and I think that that ended up playing a role in their ability to land him not just because they could go to him and say hey LSU came into the picture a little bit later so did Michigan it's that they actually had the time to really flesh out that relationship and really build that up which ultimately made a huge difference for Fedoni in the process you're creating the pie chart that is like percent responsible for this commitment how big a percentage was not him not being able to take official visits. So I I think that on the surface, people will look at this and say that it's a big percentage of the pie. I don't think that it's a huge percentage. And I can't remember if I've said this to you on this pod or if I've just said it to you. I think he would have been in the class sooner had he been able to take visits other places. Really? Yes. I think that because he would have already have taken that visit to LSU, he would have gone to Ann Arbor, probably would have gone to Notre Dame at some point before they kind of moved on and took another um, tight end in their class. Penn State had been in the mix but got impatient as well and took uh, another tight end. Texas was kind of in there as well. Um, And so I think he would have gone to those places 
And I think he still would have come to the same conclusion that ultimately, while those places are nice and they all have different things to offer, the relationships that he built in at Nebraska with the coaching staff, the recruits in the class and the players on the team and the fact that he really, truly believes in Sean Becton, the coach, which I should not have gone this long into this without mentioning Sean Becton, because in talking to multiple people around all of this over the last couple of days, Sean Becton's name comes up a lot and how instrumental he was in bringing Thomas Fedoni um, to Nebraska and building that relationship and demonstrating what he's done in his past with tight ends, um, not here at Nebraska yet, but in his past at UCF, which he does have a good tight end history down there. Um, Becton needs to get more credit in this, um, along with Frost and then Barrett Rood and everyone has really been involved. But I think he ultimately comes to the same conclusion that this is home for him and where he wanted to be. You look around the conference over the last few years and, and there's been program or, or at least offense changing tight ends and X-factor tight ends throughout the conference. Mm-hmm. Like talk about George Kittle and TJ Hawkinson. And no, I just named three Iowa guys. Um, <laughs> Jeremy those, Ruckert is up at Ohio guys. State. You got Pat Fryer yeah. at Penn State. Like really um, talented tight ends mm-hmm. that make a difference. Is, is, is this the start of Nebraska playing in that arena? Is he is he going to come here and he's an athletic freak and they try to play him at wideout? Like, what do you what do you envision a role for him being in this Nebraska offense? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that the they want him to be an athletic freak that can line up at both inline tight end and be able to create mismatches on the outside um, in a little bit different way than they plan to use Chris Hickman because I think they'll keep Chris Hickman more outside. Um, but that's also a different kind of role than what we just what those guys that you just named had, right? Those other guys were more, they were really good, but they were all more traditional tight ends with occasionally lining up outside. There's another Penn State guy that lined up more outside that I'm blanking on his name right now. Mike Gusecki. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. Um, thank you. Um, but I think that, and I think that that was part of the pitch, though, for Fedoni is that we want you to play a multi role in our offense and we'll find a way to feature you. Um, so I think it'll be a little bit different, but they do want to start to play in the arena of we can start to build a tight end tradition. It's going to be a little bit different because our offense is a little bit different than some of those other schools. But this is the beginning of that. And it's so interesting that this is the guy that gets to start that. And I think that I don't. I will at some point ask him this. I think that that appealed to him, that he can be the guy to start kind of a new tight end tradition at Nebraska, and he can help usher that in with, it just happens to be, other local good tight ends that are coming up, coming down the pipe um, in the next cycle. It seems like there's like 25 of them in this class. It really does seem like, like there's tight ends Three of them are going to end up at Nebraska, right? I think at least two of them are going to end up at Nebraska well, in okay, this class. I don't want to put you on the spot. The potential for three are yeah. like targets for Nebraska. There's a potential for three in this 2021 recruiting class alone. And then you also have a pair of teammates in 2022 and Micah Riley and Caden Helms from both at Bellevue West. Um, that could also be in the class or they're at least they're going to heavily pursue. I don't know if they'll end up needing two tight ends in next year's class, which would be a whole nother <laughs> subset and a thing to follow for next class. Um, and then there are other local tight ends in Iowa as well. Like tight end in this area has exploded and it's, it's been really intriguing to see like just kind of how that's all happened. Kind of works out well for Nebraska because you can stay home and get your tight end and you can still go into Texas and SEC country to pull the wideouts that you need. Yep. And Texas, as Texas continues to be a huge focus um, for Nebraska with wide receivers, and I think that Matt Lubick and those guys really want to continue to make that a focus. Obviously, have Latrell Neville in this class. Um, That'll continue to be a thing that I think we continue to see them do. Not going to ask you who is is better 
who is going to have the best career or whatever because we've only seen one of the three guys that I'm about to name play for Nebraska. Wando Robinson was a huge recruiting win in the 2018 class, right? 2018? 2019. 19. 19 class. Omar Manning was a huge recruiting win in the, the 2020 class. Yep. Fedoni now. If you're if you're like power ranking the three in terms of magnitude for Nebraska, difficulty for Nebraska, where does this one land? Man, I that is really tough. Um I think Fedoni is one. Okay. Robinson two, Manning three. They were all huge. Um, all of them had their, all of them were unique in how they, and what made them difficult as well. Um, but I think that everything that Fedoni represents um, in his recruitment and uh, who you would have lost him to in theory, um, or you could have lost him to if he had chose, chose to go and elsewhere. If you look at that top four, like three of the four teams are in the Big Ten, so there's 75% chance there, uh, just by math, that he ends up in the conference and you have to play him. You did not want to have to see him at Iowa. Um, and so, yeah, so that, so that ends up being a huge factor. You would have had a huge sting factor if a kid that grew up a Husker fan with so many Husker fans in his family that started a Go Big Red chant at his ceremony last night um, if that kid ends up not picking Nebraska, it becomes an indictment of your program in a way that Wandale Robinson sticking with Kentucky or Omar Manning deciding last minute on Texas A&M would not have been. So I think that Fedoni is the biggest of those three. I, I don't know. I, we'll see on who makes the biggest impact. But, yeah, I think that I think that Fedoni would be my one. As the I follow up is what do you think about the fact that Nebraska has three of those guys in back-to-back-to-back classes? I think that's the blueprint for what they need, what they want to do and what they need to do. I think that they all like there should always be with this offense and with this coach, you should always have one of those really major offensive skill position players in each of those classes. Now that's obviously your baseline and that's where you want to start. And then as they continue to move the program along, they should then be able to have multiple of those guys in a class. And I actually think that you can see the, you can see the groundwork being laid for them to be able to do that because they are in on or get interest from plenty of these guys that are national, especially at, at skill positions on offense. Um, they just have a hard time closing the deal because they just don't have enough results um, to be able to show a guy to make them take that leap of faith. But if they can start to have more success on the field, I really think that that's going to flip. But I definitely think that that's by design and that is the way that they need to continue to so do it's, this. It's now. not a puff out your chest moment. It's a hang your hat kind of deal. Yes. Yeah. There should always be a guy like that in each class. And then conversely, you're starting to see it on the offensive line. Like that's something that like, it's funny, the skill position guys get all of um, kind of the press or or an outsized amount of the press um, on these discussions. But if you think about it, they've done that on the line as well. If you think about Turner Corcoran and Bryce Benhart and back-to-back classes, you like some of those other guys as well. Cam Jerkins was, I guess, before that, right? A couple years before that. Was he in the, is he in the same class as Adrian? Yeah, he's in the 18 class. That always confuses me about which one of them are together. So they've done that. <laughs> They're years in a row as well um so offensively like you know stress that like they've continued to put that together i like where they're going they've gotten some big time guys defensively too i don't think they they have but you know what the thing but i have what i think honestly the thing is is i think through that and i say that kind of joke about it is that it's easier to see the offensive guys sometimes 
start to bubble to the surface and play and have a role early. Um, especially considering like it's been after say this all the time, like it's going to be, it was always going to be hard for say Ty Robinson to come in as highly touted as he was and come in year one and play. Like it just doesn't happen on the line the same way that it was going to be tough for Bryce Benhart to do it, even though he got a little bit of time last year, the same way that it'll be tough for Turner um, to do it in this year. But I do like a, a lot of the defensive pieces when you really actually start to name them out. There's a lot of significant wins on the defensive side of the ball too. Yeah, I think too perception plays a role. If this was viewed as a defensive minded team, if Frost was a defensive minded coach, I think everybody would be focused on, okay, what kind of defensive playmakers are we bringing in here? And people would be more maybe I'm just um, projecting, maybe I'm I'm off base, but I wonder if, you know, maybe perception plays a role in people not being as excited about Miles Farmer or Ty Robinson as they would have been. Noah Gates, Henrich, like there's there's plenty of those guys, yeah. Yeah. Keyshawn Green. (laughs) Um, so one of the things that Thomas Fedoni told you that I found really interesting, and I'm sure you probably found interesting as well, he talked about the um, the developmental acumen of Nebraska's coaching staff. And, and one of the reasons that he um, was so drawn to Nebraska is he felt like they were going to develop him into the player that he wants to be, a player that can reach the next level. What did you think of that quote when you heard it? Because so far, and this is not to throw stones, but so far Nebraska's tight end room has not been as advertised or it hasn't been something that they've been able to hang their hat on. They haven't gotten a ton of production from the tight ends. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could make the argument that compare Jack Stoll to what he is now to what he was when they arrived. How much improvement has there been there? I don't know. Not enough to where a guy of this caliber would say that and you wouldn't raise your eyebrows and be like, hmm, what, what did you think of that comment? Did you ask around to kind of get a, a feel for where that comes from or just what did you think of that yeah i i did raise my eyebrows at that hopefully not when he said it to him um but i did think about it afterwards um I, I thought a couple of things actually after I sat with it because I did think about it a lot. One, I do think that it speaks to the the ability of Sean Becton to kind of cast his vision and kind of say what he's been able to do in the past and what he would like to continue to do with Fedoni and others in the future. I think that there's a little bit of probably a little bit of while we have some nice pieces at tight end that we kind of inherited on the roster, those guys aren't like you and they're not like what we had down in Central Florida, which I think it's fair um, to say as well. And then I think that there's a kind of hidden part of this that you and I talk, have talked about on this podcast before about something that Nebraska can hang their hat on, which is the strength and conditioning aspect of this. If, if you, you've spent time around Thomas Fedoni, I've talked to him a lot. I'm like he likes to work, right? He's a different looking kid. He's, yeah. And he's a different looking kid. And that kid or that type of kid is always going to be drawn to Zach Duvall and what he's got going in the weight room. So I think that it's, it's a combination of Becton's history of development. And then also what he thinks that Zach Duvall can do with him and what Zach Duvall's long history of being able to like, you can just go and look at some of the guys on the team now to see like kind of the reshaping of bodies that has gone on down there. So if you have the lump of clay that already is Thomas Fedoni to start off with, you can imagine what Zach Duvall can do with him um, in a few years here. You said it to me at the Warren Academy showcase when when he got asked the question, like, why are you out here? You don't really have any reason to be out here. There's nothing to prove. You're already a high-profile guy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I, I want to come out and work. If there's an opportunity to work, I want to put that work in. And and you kind of looked at me after the fact, and you said that's the that's the guy that, that they build their program around. Mm-hmm. That's the culture and the identity that they're trying to build a program around. And I think you're exactly right. I think another thing, too, that might play into that that belief is Nebraska's ability to build relationships uh, because 
they can have this rapport with a guy to where when they tell him that he believes them right. as opposed to it sounding like lip service or just a pitch that, you know, a false promise that you make during a campaign. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the other things too is, and I think that this plays into the relationship, um, not with the coaches, but with the players that are already on the team, because he's been around enough to kind of get to know guys that are already on the team. And so when he sees a guy like Nash Hutmacher come into the program, and you know how that guy likes to work, right? Um, when you see a Miles Farmer or Cam Taylor Britt um, or some of these other guys, Ty Robinson is also like this. Bryce Benhart is like this. Cam Jurgens is like this. Like Diedrich Mills is like this. We're just name of Wondell Robinson is like, I'm just going to keep naming guys. So like when you think about guys in their different position rooms that are, can be described as workers, right? Other guys like that are drawn to that and they think, okay, if that, what the actual culture of the team is, then okay, I can get busy with these guys. Like I can actually do that. I don't know. DiCaprio Boodle is like Boodle is Sorry, like I just wanted to interrupt you. There we you go. You want to do that. Um, then I think that, that uh, a guy like Fedoni will, will want to play with those guys and can be comfortable with that. I don't think that that was always the case at Nebraska. Um, so I think it's good. The timing is good for that. Let me paint a picture for you, and then I want to ask you how realistic this picture is. Okay. Fedoni's a, a mid-year enrollee. Yes. Yep. The Big Ten plays a winter season. You could get Thomas Fedoni on campus Maybe they let freshmen play, true freshmen, mid-year enrollees play in that season without losing eligibility because eligibility is already frozen. You get Fedoni on, and you get to play him for six games, five games, whatever the the number of games is, and Mm. then you head into a fall 2021 season with Fedoni already having um, a much better spring ball than what he normally would have had (laughs) under the circumstances under his belt, and he's still a true freshman, and you also have Wandale Robinson, who is still a true sophomore because he didn't use up his, right. his eligibility. And you have two full years of Omar Manning and you have two more years of Adrian Martinez. It's a pretty good picture. Yes. Does this, with, does with this whatever happens within with Diedrich Mills? Like what? Yeah, he <laughs> could, he there, could play yeah. another. He, yeah, he could play. In another. Theory, no, could Adrian play. would have three more seasons because Adrian, because he could play. Oh, because he, he play played the, the junior season, which would still be a junior, and then come. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, he yeah. played the winter season, he'd play the fall season, and then he could play yeah, the next could, fall yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. Um, how realistic do you think that is? Do you think Nebraska is going to want to bring guys back? Do you think Nebraska will want to play Fedoni early? There's a couple things that kind of go into this answer. How realistic a, a picture do you think that is? I think it's fairly realistic, but things never go according to plan or the plan that would best be uh, for the long-term thing of the program because then in that case, one of those guys would end up declaring early for the draft or something. Like you'd have something weird like that happen. But I do think that playing Fedoni early would be very intriguing, right? Because he just can do – he's just going to be show up on campus in January being able to do some stuff – that some of those other guys in the tight end room can't do, even though they have years of experience on him. Some of the other guys in their just offensive meeting room period can't do. Yeah. Like he, it, he's probably, would he walk in as the third best pass catcher? Fourth best? What do you think? Probably the, th- probably the fourth, probably the fourth best. Just in terms of his combination. Yeah. Just, of a, com- yeah, just a combination. Yeah. Playmaking um, ability. Probably th- third or fourth best. Yeah. Behind Wandale and Omar. And then we'll kind of see with kind of a guy like Alante Brown or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it would be, I, I think it would be more than tempting to play him or at least let him get his feet wet during that winter spring season, just so that he could get tape and, and speed up his development. 
I think that would be really, really intriguing. And then you have the main, you have a, you have a, even other guys that we didn't name that could benefit from that, like a Chris Hickman, right? As he moves positions, kind of like to see what he can do out there, and it's still a really, really young player. Um, we mentioned Alante Brown, some of those running backs. Like it becomes really interesting when you really step back and look at all of the different offensive pieces they've kind of accumulated. And the exciting thing for me, um, someone who likes offensive football, is that they've kind of like recruited themselves into a lot of options. It doesn't have to be that just that one guy has to be a superstar. Oh, if this guy is a little slower on his development at wide receiver, okay, we've now got options here to actually go through or at running back or tight end. Um, that's that's an exciting proposition for them. Get two more years of Brendan Hymas too. Yeah. And get two more years or two more seasons of uh, Matt Forniak being able to mentor Bryce yeah. Benhart. Indeed. It'll be fun. I know there's a bunch of other stuff happening that we didn't get to. I'm sure nobody's going to complain, though, about an entire podcast talking about Thomas Fedoni. I think I thought he was a big enough addition <laughs> to the to the class this week to justify a Fedoni-only podcast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I will give a, a quick shout-out to Kobe Bretts, who also committed this week uh, defensive back from Omaha Westside. So now it's a, but only Fedoni and slight Bretts. Um, Podcast. What is his nickname going to be? I have no idea. Is he gonna, what do you think his he's going because he's got to have a nickname and a logo for this nil stuff. You got to play off the last name. Does it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, but there will have to be a logo. He's going to have to be like the first, like really, really, like really young guy that hasn't played yet to get one, right? Probably. Yeah, it makes sense. Will he be able to keep his number? Like now, you got me thinking about numbers. It's, I blame you for this. Is anybody is anybody twenty four on offense? Um, Marvin Scott. Oh, I, I wouldn't want to fight him for just got it for a number. Like I was like, well, I mean, he might change. Maybe he wants twenty six. Although he, when he uh, shared his pictures after their kind of photo shoot day, he was he seemed pretty excited about the fact that he had Kobe's number. So. Oh yeah, that is true. So no, so maybe we'll have to. We'll see. If he switches to defense, he'd have to fight Blaze Gunnarsson for it. Yeah, neither one of those guys is somebody that I'd want to be in a fight with. Don't switch him to defense, though. No. Greg, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for giving me some time and tearing yourself away from the 18 billion things that you're writing on Thomas Bedoni and Kobe Bretts and Kobe Bretts. <laughs> We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, said it in the beginning, listen to uh, to Jay Moore's More To It podcast. Listen to Schmitty on the radio show and keep reading HillVarsity.com. We've got some exciting stuff coming in the, the coming weeks. So we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.